Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the park bench in front of the Mesa, Arizona Public Library. Why? Because it says George Washington slept here, and we are all into history of Arizona and George Washington this week. This is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 206. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Library. This is Tom. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Cash. This is Greg. Oh, Greg is muted. <laughs> That's okay. You want to say that again? This is Greg. Hey. On this day in history, the Postal Service Act was born. It was a piece of United States federal legislation that established the United States Post Office Department. It was signed into law by President George Washington on February 20th, 1792. So happy 228th birthday to the U.S. Post Office. So I got a phone call from uh, our friend Stanley, and he wants to sell a Ireland collection. And I know somebody here collects Ireland. Who is it? Does somebody? Nobody? I don't know. Nobody here has an Irish last name. Uh, Why? Ross. Scottish. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> uh, definitely not Brafus. <laughs> Does somebody collect Ireland here? Yeah, Why? Oh, then Stanley wants to uh, sell you a collection. What else do you collect? Well, I collect anything that's odd that I've never seen before, and I've seen quite a bit, so that's that eliminates most things I see. So your collecting interests are falling. They're kind of like a magpie, very, very eclectic. But um, uh, there are certain... Things like first day covers that uh, if, if it just strikes, and it has to be usually hand-painted or something like that. If it strikes me as interesting, then I'll I'll bite. But, uh, yeah, I go for the more esoteric stuff. I collect Iceland. That's only one letter away. No. <laughs> Do you really collect Iceland? Yes. Oh. You collect revenues, Iceland. But- United States and Iceland. All of you, really, you collect the United States and Iceland? Yep. Why Iceland? I read about Iceland in a book, and it got me interested in Iceland. Oh, fair enough. Greg, you collect comic books, right? No, never. What do you you actually collect? I sell. I know. You're you're a dealer. I collect nothing. You collect nothing? No. How about your kid? No, I'm trying to sell him, too. Ah, uh, he's six. Uh, collecting picks up when you're about what thirteen. It's when it really hits hard. So nine to thirteen. So he's not quite a collector yet. I yeah, thought, sort of the acu- accumulation phase of yeah. Your it's life. a it's a phase of your mental yeah. development. Yeah, it'll hit hard for him. I'm sure he collects anything sticky. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> well, your kids uh, collect marine animals, right? 
Uh, yeah, they're very topical. Yeah. Disney animals, dinosaurs, birds, reptiles, insects. Venezuelan currency? Apparently. <laughs> yeah, but do they collect stamps? Yeah. Oh, Chris brings home all sorts. Of, every time there's a, a sea otter stamp or something like that, she takes it home for her kids. Yeah, but the kids collect real animals, too. Oh. Bugs. Yeah. Well, has anybody ever exhibited anything that they collect? Not me. I never got into exhibiting. There were too many rules. Yeah. How about you, Mark? Nope. Uh, that's not my level of flatly. Uh, I'm uh, more down in the meat and potatoes area. Yeah. I exhibited, and that's why uh, when we went to the... Uh, we just all got back. Well, we didn't just all get back. D- d- you didn't go to Arizona, right? I did not go to Arizona, no. Yeah. So me and Scott got back from the Arizona Stamp Show, and they had a panel discussion on exhibiting. And I'm going to uh, apologize for some of the audio quality. We wired up the panel so we could hear everything they were saying. And then the audience um, added comments and stuff, and they weren't wired. So I'm going. To, you're going to hear like some kind of fuzzy sounds, and hopefully you can make out when the audience is talking. But Do you have a transcript of what they said? Because you could dub in your voice. Excuse uh, me, I have a question. <laughs> put it in where the fuzz is. Oh, that'd if, be fun. No, if you, you can't, if you can't make out what they say, we're just going to put in the uh, peanuts teacher. Yeah, that's funny. Make sure you transcribe that into the script. Too. Yeah, there you go. So, everybody who's listening, enjoy. I'd like to welcome you uh, to the AAP panel discussion on uh, sort of for beginning exhibitors, people considering exhibiting as to why exhibit. Uh, and just as I was told, I need to let everyone know that we are recording this. Um, it will be used, it will be edited, and will be available for the website. Correct? And we put on the website. Could be. Yeah. And we can make other use of the material. We may do a transcript so we'd have handouts, etc. cetera. Um, and, and so you'll be on the podcast. I'm sorry. And you'll be on, be on your podcast. Co- and it'll be on uh, Kaiser's podcast. I'd like to thank him for bringing in the equipment and doing this. Which podcast um, is this? Sam Show here today. Okay. And since it's a fairly small group, what I'm going to do again, my name is Michael Salmo. Um, I exhibited the first time back in 1969. Um, I was still in diapers, ha ha. Um, but I probably exhibited for a lot of other people. still are. And still are. <laughs> and are back, and back, back again. <laughs> um, so, and what we're going to start with, I think is a question that I had, and I think we've discussing with people, is why exhibit? Why do it at all? Briefly, who you are and why you, why you first exhibited, and sort of where you are in the process of exhibiting. So, you're going to start with the most atypical story. Well, I'm starting to my. Right. My right. name is Pat Walker. I'm the immediate past president of AAPE. I put my first mm-hmm. exhibit together in 1978. It was 48 pages of practically everything I want. <laughs> because I didn't want to collect stamps. I decided I was going to collect postal history when I discovered there was such a thing, and I didn't want to collect until I knew I could exhibit, because competing was one of the reasons to collect, which is really weird for a lot of people to do. Uh, so I've competed almost as long as, or exhibited almost as long as I've collected. So that's strange as a story. That's me. Well. 
uh, I put in my first exhibit in 1975 to local show because the local stamp club I belonged to at the time uh, decided they needed to, to participate as a club in this show and no one was willing so they sort of great doomed and shanghaied me into doing it. I had never exhibited, I had no idea how to do it, I had no material, but you know, I had three or four months and I pulled together something. Um, then I discovered why you should be exhibiting once I'd done it. The why is that at that point I had a, a collection of pretty pieces. I'd see something that I could afford, which was very little, but it would be something that caught my eye, I'd buy it. And later I'd find something else and I'd buy it. So this might be a cover from Tanzania, this might be a triangle stamp from Burma, who knows, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I kept uh, collecting and collecting. But once I exhibited, then I knew what I had to buy because I didn't have an example of this, didn't have an example of that. And <coughs> ever since then, I've focused on collecting things that I would like to exhibit or are exhibiting, and it really focuses your mind as you, as you buy things and assemble them, there's some order, there's some organization. Uh, it's like having a pre-printed album, which is what most people do and try to fill in the blanks. Well, good luck on those block of four of the U.S. Trans-Mississippi issue, right? Whoa, that's pretty expensive. But, you know, you can fit it to your uh, pocketbook, and that's what you should exhibit, something you love, and it will really focus your mind on what you need to acquire. So I think that's why you should <coughs> exhibit. Your name? Oh, name. Forgetting a lot of things these days. David Steadley. I'm Mike Lee, and I'm the new president of AAPE. I loved playing with stamps when I was a kid, and uh, first, well, I knew there was covers because there were first day covers, but anyway, faded away from the hobby, rediscovered it in my 30s, um, managed to discover lens and started reading lens, and there was a lot of things in there about shows and exhibits, which I didn't even know that existed, read about exhibits. The letters to the editors were just full of letters complaining and bashing judges and stuff like that. So, you know, we, some things are, don't change a whole lot. And they, well, for whatever reason, I thought, this, this exhibiting sounds like something that would be fun. And I decided I wanted, but to do exhibiting, I needed to focus a little, like David was said, on something. and. So I took the Scott National album that I'd been filling for a few years, and it was still mostly empty, but uh, I sold it to give myself a little bit of money to start specializing in something. And about this time, AAPE was being formed, and I joined in 86, it's so big first year, even though I had yet to do my first exhibit. And, and I did a 12-page exhibit, because the show I was entering had 12-page frames, and I was probably in 86 or 87, and I've loved it ever since. So, and I could, we can get into more benefits on it later, but you know, that's how I got started for sure. My name is Rich Drews, and 
I got started with the remnants of my grandfather's collection when I was five, but I didn't have an album. It was just blank pages. My mother would hand letter the pages because I was too sloppy in my handwriting. She'd just put the name of the country on the top of the page, and I'd take a ruler, draw a line, mount the stamps along that line. Um, if they were too tall, I'd draw another line below it where there was more space for the tall stamps. I mean, no idea of sets or anything of that. And I was just lucky one day, I saw an ad in the paper, and it said that there was a, a stamp auction being held at a local club in the Evanston area. And I wandered in there and wound up buying a couple things and meeting some nice folks. It's, I had been totally a closet collector before that. And uh, then I learned that there was an international going on in 76 in Philadelphia. I was visiting some family out there. So I took a, a day off and dragged my poor wife to Philadelphia. She said, okay, you can go to the show, but I'm going shopping. <laughs> and anyway, uh, I joined the APS there and uh, wound up making a lot of friends at different clubs and became involved as someone who get, would get the speakers to come in and talk to the club. And I got rash enough to ask people like Randy Neal to come in and, and give a talk to a little local club. And guess what he did? And I was very honored in 86 that I was working on Ameripex and Randy and John Hotchner said, we want to start a new exhibiting organization there. And so we group of us got together. I was honored to be founding member number 12. Of course, Randy and John were one and two, but I just said, well, I you know, do everything I can to help you, and that's just been the way it's been from there. And I found exhibiting helped me focus not just on what I needed, but it would almost refocus how you would think about your material when you got another piece or two. Uh, it would sort of say, well, this piece really tells me something about that piece. And sometimes I'd have to move eight or ten items around to reflect the slightly different dynamic of all the material I had to really make the story flow again the way I wanted to. And it's, it's marvelous. So now I just take stuff and I put it out and I look at it and I put it away a few days later look at it again and so on and meanwhile it's all cogitating yes. in the back and then eventually oh this is what I want to do and you start laying it out and you just keep going the hard part is mounting it I, I like to work on solving the problem right once the problem solved oh damn I gotta put these pages together but at least you've had all the the fun and playing with it beforehand mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you know uh, but I, one of the things I heard as to why is it, it, it makes one focus on what they collect. It makes one focus on the process of what they collect. And we'll go back to some of this. What I'd like to do, since there isn't that, you know, is to maybe go around the room. Are there any questions you want to ask in the panelists? Feel free to interrupt. It's not an interruption. It's part of, the, part of what we want to do. So what I'd like to do, since there aren't many people, just we'll go around the room. We'll start with the gentleman in the puffy shirt and, and just basically tell us if you collect, if you've ever exhibited or thought about exhibiting, 
And again, whether if you want to add to this why or what you know, one of the things it's done, it's, it's a relative, you know, we can learn from each other. So. And Cad, I collect in uh, exhibit 1851 to 1859, Industrial Revolution. And have you exhibited? I have. Why? Uh, <coughs> I don't like stamps. I'm sort of like you said it. The, the stamps are interesting, but the story behind the stamp is so much more interesting than the stamp itself. I mean, having a stamp with a picture of Benjamin Franklin without knowing who Benjamin Franklin was is just like a piece of paper with a picture on it. But all of a sudden, knowing what Benjamin Franklin did, and who he was, and how he lived, and you know, his kids, and his revolution and everything, all of a sudden that stamp has a whole bunch more information to it than just a picture of some old guy. Absolutely. And I, I mean, this is my, this is my baby. Yeah. And she ripped my heart out. I've talked about her a few times, and uh, I mean, they were a much better exhibit after that. Some of the people up here have judged. One of the things I'll throw out that you brought up is I know my, my first exhibit was one frame. I exhibited in part to make a political statement, which the judges love. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but my next exhibit was I had a lot of material and then had to learn to, well, you don't need to, you know, call it down. But so exhibiting, and I'll ask the judges, if I, quote, over-exhibit, it's kind of like it's easier to edit and bring it down sometimes than figuring out what you need and then expand outward. Is that, I mean, it's a learning process. I'm just throwing that as a question. Is that a good way to learn to exhibit? Depends on how your mind works. Some people are better at editing and some people are betting better at refining and adding things piece by piece. And you only learn that by trying. The yep. toughest part about exhibiting is doing the first run. There's a lot of fear and anxiousness and you don't know that you're doing it right, but you just have to go ahead and do it. And you know, if you get a bronze or whatever, certificate appreciation, okay, but you'll get lots of advice. And now if I'm looking at a cover stamped owl, Idaho, and this young lady's walking by, are, are you the owl person? Do you want this one? Okay. I don't know you collect owls, I'm passing it up, okay? And you're interested in rates, I can remember that, of sailing ships. So if I was a dealer, I'd remember that, and next time you walk by my booth, I'd have four or five things for you. So this really expands your collection, sorry. Yeah, let's video, so we keep moving. You're, you're next. Oh, you want to go to the bell hall? <laughs> I'm Robert, and I came in late, so I'm not sure what we're supposed to say. But um, have you I ever was, exhibited? Yes. Okay. Yeah, just local shows in California. Okay. And uh, a few different exhibits, but all local shows, and um, just looking to exhibit more and build them up. But my biggest obstacle is just this time. Uh -huh. <laughs> Not, not of us had that problem. Yeah. <laughs> time, right, so. And a little bit of a little bit of fear, like I said, is just keep doing it, keep doing it. 
They hear the word fear. Okay, fear of what? Well, you know, um, my, I'm a third generation philatelist. My great uncle and my dad were big, you know, big exhibitors and philatelists. And, um, I remember back in the day, in the 70s, 80s, it was a lot more lower brow of a hobby. Yeah. And now it's getting much higher brow of a hobby. And so I think that a lot of the people who are coming in, um, that bar is raised tremendously from before it was years ago. And so even just say, I don't care, like some do, and they just exhibit and have fun. But many feel like they have to be at a certain point before they exhibit. That's very unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Because when, I, when I, 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 and I don't know how we overcome it, but one of the things that really helped me is, you heard me say, when I started with everything I own, but it used to be far more typical. You put stuff out there, you got advice, you rewrote your required material, you put it out again. And, and you didn't start, <coughs> you didn't wait to start until you had everything you, need, you thought you needed. You just started. Because, and I think we need to get back to that. I don't hmm. know how. Well, Pat, he made a great point when he said that he was only exhibiting at local right. shows. That is a wonderful way to get started. We have a club in the Illinois area, Park Forest Stamp Club. And they only had nine page frames up until three years ago. And I would go down there and regularly judge it. And all we did was give a one, two, or three. And then we had a grand for the multi-frame and a grand for the single frame. But we had a, a very simple rule that we developed over the last several years. You exhibit, you attend, and you stay for the feedback session. And at 2 o'clock, everybody gets together, and we walk through every single frame and discuss every frame in the exhibit so that each collector can learn something about what worked or didn't work with the other person's exhibit. And you get this discussion going. Now they're up to 16 page frames and we've got about 60 frames, 70 frames that they show and everybody goes through everything. And we've had people come along who barely got a three but nobody was gonna get anything worse than a three and are now getting ones, and, and one of them who started from nothing has won the grand at, at that show and so forth. And you build up, but there's, there's no real risk because you know everybody's going through the same thing, everybody's sharing. And you come back from a show, and they say, oh, how was this show or that show? And you say, well, I found six items. Only one was for me. <laughs> well, you knew who the other people were who wanted them. That's how you build the, the camaraderie, the assistance. Because part of what I'm hearing is it's a process, it's both a mental process and a learning process. And you can't get into it until you take that first step. So I am going to make a plug for a service that our organization has, uh, the American Association of Philatelic Exhibitors. Everyone's heard of our critique service where you send in exhibit pages and all that and get them critiqued. 
We have something that we're going to promote a lot more now. We've had it, but it's not been promoted. It's a mentor service. It's really perfect for people that almost don't even kind of think they want to do it. But they haven't even aren't even sure where to start or how to get going. And isolated could be an, an, an example too. You have no, you have no one in town to even talk to it about. And what it would do is match you with, by email addresses, with another person that maybe exhibits some of the kind of subject you do. Doesn't necessarily mean he's a judge, but he'll be a more experienced exhibitor. And uh, and you, it's just perfect because you, you don't even have exhibit pages to send into a critique service because you're not even real sure where to, how to get started or, and it can work very well. So that's uh, something to consider. I mean, Richard and I were both, I mean, I'm from Chicago area, Richard's from Chicago. We were both lucky. There were at one time probably 30 small clubs. I exhibited first at Compex, which is the combined philatelic exhibition because combined, I think at one time, about 15 or 18 clubs, yeah. and you exhibited, not at this big show, you exhibited with your club. So the club you talked about, Evanston New Trier, I exhibited North Shore, which was in Chicago. So you could exhibit a club which was smaller, so that you had people, it was different. It was like exhibiting at a small show, but you also had some national, international level exhibits, a mix. And you don't have to be judged. You can just ask people for comments or help. What do they think of this? You know, what should you do with it? At one compact show where we had 16 clubs, nine of them were judged by seven or eight different judges. I mean, they, each one would ask one or two people to judge their stuff. A couple of the judges overlapped. And the other ones didn't care to be judged, but they went around and they showed their stuff and if somebody came up to you and asked you to tell them about your material, do you think you could talk their arm off for a while? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the opportunity. Somebody's not judging you, but they're going to come and say, well, tell me about your exhibit. Well, you've got a captive audience. You can nail their foot to the floor and start talking. You know, and they're going to be polite enough to listen for a while, even if it's not their kind of thing. But this is what the real fun that can come out. I mean, there's exhibits that I judged years ago when I didn't know that much about that particular exhibit, but I knew the kinds of questions to ask. And I would start asking questions, and these people would tell me all sorts of wonderful stuff, and they still do to this day. But at a certain point, they'd say, oh, I didn't say that in my exhibit. Should I have? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, if I told them to say it, oh, no. But if I asked them questions and they finally said it, and they realized that maybe that would have been a strong thing to say, suddenly it's helped them, and I've learned more about their material in the process. I mean, it's a fascinating way to study and learn on somebody else's nickel. depends on the show. Each show has their own standards and you agree to judge by the standards that the show has has set and that the exhibitors are expecting. So if, if you're at a local club 
they may say, you know, only a one, two, and a three. If you're at another club, they may have five levels of medals. Here we have eight levels of medals. Doesn't uh, the APS publish a small booklet on... Uh, well, the APS, which is the highest level, does have a, a manual for exhibiting and judging. It, it lays out suggestions. I don't want to say rules. <coughs> there are rules, but the rules are real simple. Like, you got to own the stuff, you know, stuff like that. You shouldn't put in forgeries unless you say they're forgeries. Those are rules. Everything else is suggestions. So there's a lot of suggestions in there, and it'll explain what the metal levels are. But almost every regional show or local show usually puts something reduced because they want the people starting to, to have a much a much what's the right word? Much looser uh, set of you know. We don't know what all these things. We're are. more we're forgiving and more encouraging. Yeah, yeah certainly. Wanted, because you know some of the most interesting exhibits that now exist out there were dreamed up um, by the fertile minds of the people who own the stuff and didn't fit in any pigeonhole. Yeah. Oh yeah, you put the exhibit together and then, well you might have written it first, you well, might, you, you you'll write revise it, first. it. <laughs> you put your exhibit together and then your exhibit doesn't match what you wrote first, you better rewrite it, yeah. so it matches what, so, so people spend a lot of time on those first pages. Yes, that's why, so I read every single one because I, I wanted to get a We should invite everybody here to come to the show floor afterwards yeah. and point at exhibits that interested you and we'll try to help you understand maybe why they did what they did and how they did it. Because if you want a potted idea of what you're doing, think of this is what I have, okay? I can't show stuff I don't have. So first figure out what you, you have, okay? What does this relate to? Are there stories I could possibly tell with this? And start sorting it out. Okay. Okay, but you're still interested. So your postal history, the Faroe Islands, can start perhaps at a time where you can afford it. Or you can say you can say the operations of the Faroe Islands post office during and you mention a time period that may cover two or three issues of stamps. And then you show what was going on using covers with those stamps on them and perhaps some that came into the Faroe Islands and had postage due markings or whatever. And you can find ways to... Yes. Just to, you know, I've taken writing classes and, and if you've read stuff on how to write, you find out that you start your story and either you acquire things and it changes direction. You come up writing fiction. And, and the other thing to keep in mind, I won't use this quote directly, Ernest Hemingway's famous quote is, the first draft is garbage. 
not the word he used. <laughs> the point is, I think, is you may start out with something, write an outline, and realize when you get done that you, because of material you have or how you want to tell the story, it's changed. And that's okay. It's part of the process. You, the word process gets brought up a lot here. Your title page is the first page you write and the last and page you write. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then when you're done, oh, this is what I did. Okay, and, and at that point, you may try to reconcile the two things. Change and, one or the other. Yeah, or you may change both slightly to, to make it work. And the, the judging suggestions that are given to the judges that we then give to you is, tell us what you're doing, do it well. That's what it, No. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Yes. Okay, but that destroys creativity. If you're going to be obsessive compulsive about it, you will never get started. If you're a baseball player, and you're on first base, you can't get to second without taking your foot off first. Hmm. Okay? Just to summarize uh, points that I've I heard people make in uh, no particular order, you need to have objectives and goals, you need to be able to communicate, you need to sell, have salesmanship, and this is selling the exhibit and what you want to do to yourself, to the judges and to the audience, other collectors, uh, you have to be concerned with the immediacy, which is, you know, make a good first impression. Uh, understand that there's two-way communication to the judges and from the judges, and for that matter, to collectors and from collectors. And you have to manage the expectations that you want to get across and I, get what people want. I thought that Ron brought up a really great thing about also that your goals need to be measurable. Right, goals need to be measurable. You can't just say, having fun is nice but you have to be considered with if you want to communicate and for example one person mentioned around their smoking bear exhibit that they wanted people to know so he set a goal of having it be shown at a certain number of shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Michael, why don't you introduce yourself because you're the president. Yes, uh, I'm Mike Lee and I am president of the American Association of Philatelic Exhibitors or AAPE. Um, we are very much involved with helping exhibitors enjoy exhibiting and improving their exhibits as they see fit. Uh, we've got several services that are very good for people just starting out, not even sure how to even get started with exhibiting. We have a mentor service and for people that don't have a friend nearby that's an exhibitor to talk to and they can be paired up by email with someone else, an exhibitor or a judge that can help them get started with some exchange of emails and stuff like that. Once a person's really done an exhibit, maybe even shown it a time or two, we have a, a critique service where they send in copies of exhibit pages for a small fee that covers mailing and that's forwarded to an experienced judge capable of judging their thing, who spends much more time than he would at a show in evaluating their exhibit and actually reads every page. We also have a free service, title page and synopsis service that uh, 
can be handled strictly by email at no cost and get feedback on those. Uh, joining us, it's only for U.S. or Canada members, it's only $25 a year. You get four real good journals of the year on exhibiting. You can participate in any of the services I just mentioned. To join, you can go to our website, which is aape.org, and there's a membership tab that you can click, and you can sign up and pay by PayPal, or you can print off an app, a paper application and mail it in with your check. So we'd love to have you, and it's $25 a year. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.